Hi, I'm Monse, and this is Musings of the Artist, a podcast where I have meaningful conversations with all kinds of artists, musicians, writers, painters, photographers, and other creatives share their honest stories, touching on the duality of being creative, the pure joy of making art, but also the particular struggles that come with it. Instead, I've just had this attitude of like, wow, like I get to do this. This is so cool. And like, no matter where I get, like, what a cool thing. And the more I'm able to like counter that, you know, the impending dread insecurity stuff with just like gratitude and wonder, the more I feel like my life opens up. Letitia Vincent is a folk singer-songwriter based in Baltimore, Maryland. She has received many awards and accolades for her songwriting, including being named among Pace Magazine's 10 Country Artists to Watch in 2020. Her new album, Circadian, was released last month and is an honest and powerful reflection on significant themes. In our conversation here, we touch on loneliness, reimagining dreams, quieting your inner critic, the delicate balance of holding people accountable for their actions while also leaving room for compassion. I know it's a heightened time of anxiety for so many of us right now. Having a conversation with Letitia about topics outside of the coronavirus was a welcome distraction for me, and I really hope that listening in might help you a little bit too. So professionally, you're a musician, a folk singer, songwriter, and you also are very involved in social justice work. And I would love to hear beyond that, you know, beyond what you're doing, describing who you are and how you move through the world. Um, So I I used to work for a lobby group in Washington, D.C. that worked on uh, peace and social justice issues. And one of the things that was my observation from that time is that Uh, Even though on the surface level, we can be talking about issues from a logical standpoint, and we're talking about logistics, we're talking about statistics, we're talking about who different problems affect. Um, And that's obviously a very important part of how we need to make policy. Um, But one of my observations from that time was that a lot of our decisions about what we choose to prioritize in our life and how we decide to act have a lot to do with Uh, how we feel inside spiritually, um, what our underlying beliefs are, and like what kind of social networks we have and like what is it that uh, gives us a sense of belonging. And um, so, you know, there's certain issues that were so controversial and and you can argue all day about them, but like nobody tends to budge, (laughs) Mm -hmm. Um, partly because we're not getting down to those underlying feelings and, and issues. And I, I believe that the arts are one window into that part of ourselves. Um, so that at least is part of the way that I rationalized, (laughs) um, my transition. And, uh, I also, you know, kind of continue doing, uh, advocacy work, um, as a, just in a volunteer way around Baltimore. Um, I'm part of an anti-racist organizing group. Um, and, uh, and also there's just a, a very active and a lot of smart people doing organizing around here. And I, I feel like I learned a lot just by 
following their lead. Mm. Um, so, so yeah. Um, and then I, I guess you asked, you're asking how, who I am in the world. And another thing that I'll mention is that I come from a Quaker background. Um, and one of the things that I, I didn't grow up Quaker, but I can't came to it when I was in high school. And, um, one of the things that I like about it is the idea that every person has their own window in on the truth and mm -hmm. that like, we can't really find out the whole truth unless we're learning from each other. Um, and so that's one, one thing that I aspire to like build into my approach towards life. <laughs> I love that. Yeah. I, I also, one thing I wanted to mention was about your name too, because I loved so much that, and I know I told you this before, but I, I love that on your website, you have a instructions on about, about your name. And it's, it's just it inspired me. I think I'm going to steal that idea. <laughs> um, but your, your name, um, in case people don't know how to say it, it's Letitia, which is gorgeous. Mm -hmm. And um, and your, it's an old family name, as you were saying, and mm -hmm. you, your middle name is uh well so you, you well actually instead of me t telling the story you want to <laughs> i have a you're doing a better job than i do <laughs> um, <laughs> my my real full name is letitia van sant robson and at the time that i was born um my mom and three other people in my family had the name letitia so um you know they went by tish and letty and they felt like they kind of used up those nicknames. So they decided to call me Sandy for Van Sant. And um, so, yeah, I went by that nickname most of my childhood. And then when I started to perform, I, I picked up Letitia Van Sant back again. Um, so I, it's in addition to being hard to spell and pronounce, I like <laughs> just caused a lot of confusion that way. <laughs> it's, it's really cool it's like I love with names how you know like all all of those names are part of you right and you know even if you're called different names by different people it's still you know it's still kind of part of your fabric which is cool hey I like that way of thinking about it that's a helpful because <laughs> sometimes people think that I like made up a stage name and that it's like a fake thing and I'm like oh, no. <laughs> no way no way it's totally part of you and yeah when I, I try to take that when I it's it's I've, I think I mentioned this before, but like with my name, I feel it's almost like my identity feels sort of split sometimes because, you know, in the U.S. I, I'm mostly called Monsi, and and even so many people here can't even say that, you know, and they get so tripped up by my name. And I understand, you know, it's not a common name here, but then in Spain, my name is Montserrat or Monse is what people call me, which is like you know, the very common name there. Mm -hmm. So um, I, I just, I feel like more at ease there and more at home in my name. But here, when my friends call me Monsi, it's just as much me as it is in Spain, you know? So anyways, mm -hmm. long-winded way of saying that, but anyway, <laughs> you know, it's, it's, I think, yeah, having kind of various variations of your name is not, not such a bad thing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we started confusing names club. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so I'd love to do, I'm going to do this interview a little bit differently than I do the interviews normally, which is, you know, you have, um, this new album, this beautiful album, album that just came out a couple weeks ago. And uh, there's a few songs on there. I mean, all the songs on there have strong themes, but I wanted to really unpack a couple of them that really spoke to me. Um, 
or just made me really feel something. So, I mean, they, they all did, but these particular, these songs in particular, I just like thought I would love to like really unpack these with you. Um, so one of the songs on your album is called Tin Man. And I read that you, you were inspired to write this after you were listening to one of my very favorite podcasts, which is NPR's Hidden, The Hidden Brain. Um, I love it too. Yeah, <laughs> I, I just totally nerd out listening to that. It's so good. <laughs> um, and in particular, this this episode, the lonely American man. And after you listened to it, you felt inspired to write this. And um, there's a lot to say about it, but I'll, I'll let you kick it off here because <laughs> your song and your story. So, um, yeah. So why don't you tell us a little bit about why you were inspired to write that song? Yeah, so the podcast featured um, all these interviews with American men talking about how difficult our culture's notions of masculinity make it for them to uh, experience and express emotions. And um, being emotionally vulnerable is such a key part of being able to build strong relationships with um uh, you know with a partner but also with anybody with coworkers with friends with family um and so as a result um all of these guys who present as like very normal people um just get lonelier and lonelier as they grow older and um you know as somebody who has spent Sometime in my life, feeling a little bit frustrated and sometimes angry at men. <laughs> this was a moment when I was like, it, it just felt very illuminating for a lot of people that I know. And, um, you know, that in addition to how, you know, our culture's notions of masculinity hurt other people, um, it also presents like challenges for uh, men themselves. Mm -hmm. And, um, I, I, there's a whole other aspect of this that I know very little about. That's like, how do these dynamics impact uh, transgender people and non-binary people? Um, the, the podcast did talk about some about homophobia and um, gay people and, and how that, um, it, you know, how it impacts them as well. Um, but it just, it, it rang true for me. And um, the other thing that this was not in the podcast, but it's been kind of a, an extension of my thinking on it, um, is that I was reading about the generation of veterans who came home from World War One, and they were so traumatized that they had a really difficult time connecting with their communities and, and with their families. And so they were called the lost generation. Mm. And, um, you know, largely, I, you know, I'm speculating, but they were not really afforded the social space to really heal from the trauma that they had yeah. experienced. And that's like par for the course um, for veterans all around the world. And so, you know, so many of us have had that touch people in our families and uh -huh. um, and it has ripple effects that that affect all of us. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, I had a, one of my my ex-boyfriends um, was in Iraq. And I mean, I saw that, you know, having him come home and wow. from that and just having to desensitize, you know, from everything. Mm -hmm. and, mm -hmm. and I just saw that with him and with, you know, the stories about people that he was there with. And um, yeah, mm -hmm. and I mean, your your song and, and that episode really did touch something in me too. And I think 
to speak on something you said earlier about sort of just sort of like understanding, trying to like getting curious about the thing and understanding where it's coming from can really help with, you know, transform into empathy. Um, mm -hmm. I'm really, I'm really learning myself too. And I, I don't know if this was your experience, but I know as, um, being someone who's, you know, dated men and had a lot of male friends and, um, and still does, of course. Um, but, you know, I think that I, um, I would get really frustrated a lot of the time when I felt like the person couldn't communicate and just shut down, you know, mm -hmm. and, and when you sort of realize that it's just sometimes because they just can't, they can't, you know, because yeah. they've been, and I think that episode and your song really speak to that, you know? Yeah. Yeah. They do. They do such a good job of it there. And the other thing I've never really spoken about this part before, but I, there's a tendency for like the guys in my life who are more progressive and liberal and like who are more emotionally available yeah. um, to think of this as like, this is other guys, uh -huh, uh -huh. <laughs> but right. I, I still think that like, even those guys like still have aspects of yeah, it that exactly. are still exhibit themselves. Um, and yeah, totally. <laughs> it's a, it's a, a weird, like very hard Rubik's cube to figure out. Um, Absolutely. And it's, it's funny. Cause I've like, <clears throat> I've been thinking about this too. Like I'm single right now, you know, and I, like when I think about like the kind of partner I want, I mean, always on my like, you know, list, when you write those lists about the things you want, the qualities, it's like always I want, like the top of the list is like someone who is a really good communicator and can be vulnerable. Mm -hmm. And I'm starting to sort of think like, not that I should take it off the list, but I should soften that a little bit mm -hmm. and to like understand, you know, mm -hmm. that like everyone's doing the best they can. And mm -hmm. sort of like speaking to what you were just saying about the men in your life who are progressive and who like, you know, think that they're, you know, vulnerable and all those things, like maybe that is the, the most, the best that they can do, you know, and still being understanding and loving about that and not expect them to be somewhere mm -hmm. they're not. Yeah. Um, and sort of like, I've just been sort of thinking like, well, maybe where I'll get my deep, deep, you know, like, vulnerable talks in is with my girlfriends, you know, and like, mm. <laughs> or whatever. You know, I mean, not, not that there's no, there aren't any men out there that can get really, really deep and <laughs> be yeah. vulnerable. But, you know, it's, it's just, it's just something, it's just interesting to think about, you know? Yeah. Well, and I know there's been so many people, um, you know, more so who fall into this category that I feel like they're in relationships um, where, you know, not necessarily just like heterosexual relationships, but like yeah. where um, there's, they're kind of stuck in a loop because um, one person it has an issue that they're not able to like really delve into or yeah. aren't, aren't able to go to therapy to acknowledge and deal with. And then, so their partner is just kind of stuck. Exactly. Um, <laughs> and I feel like that that's like, uh, because, and like, because they feel like therapy makes them weak or, um, you know, don't feel like it's socially okay for them to seek help or something. Yeah. It, it happens to a lot of people. <laughs> yeah, it's true. It's, not, it's certainly not just men, you know, it's definitely, yeah. It's, mm -hmm. it's, yeah I, I, I think that's such a key thing is like being, you have to really be able to 
have this openness and willingness to to dig deep inside of yourself, um, usually with the help of somebody else. You know, I, I can say from personal experience, like, if I, you know, hadn't gone to therapy, there's so much that I would mm-hmm. not have uncovered, you know, yeah, in my own, my own stuff. Yeah. So, but, um, but yeah, I just think it's a really interesting thing to talk about and that doesn't get really a lot of attention. You know, people don't pay attention to this very much and yeah. it's, a real, it's a real thing. Um, yeah. and, and, and back to also what you were saying about the, I, I love that the title is the lonely American man, because without being true to who you are and without showing vulnerability that's like the ultimate loneliness because mm-hmm. not being able to you know being able to connect with others is all based on being vulnerable you know mm-hmm. so yeah yeah well I've actually been really surprised because when I play that song live like I thought that when I when I played it live that people would that that what this was what I thought would happen was that the women in the audience would like re- it would resonate with them and the guys would all just like you know not look at me and <laughs> <laughs> um and that, that happens sometimes but I've been really surprised how how um open people have been about it and um that it, it often sparks some good conversations so so I think people are it's like a, a ripe moment for talking about those things because um, yeah, it, it, I've been surprised how much more people want to want to be talking about that than I than I thought. That I can imagine for men, a lot they probably feel a little bit they probably feel seen by it too. You know, like a lot of men that aren't able to really the ones that aren't able to be vulnerable or communicate, um, they might feel like, oh gosh, like I'm not the only one. You know, <laughs> yeah, I can't I can't speak for them, but yeah, maybe yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, well, I hope so. I hope it. You know, yeah. Normalize <laughs> <a little> <laughs> yeah so another one of the songs sort of along the same thread actually is most of our dreams don't come true and I I love this song so much and it's it's about and I, I think you said that there is about this song that there's a time to let things shift let things go allowing ourselves to grieve old dreams can make space to discover new ones and the song is the theme of it really is the sadness of growing older um, and just experiencing disappointments and whatnot. And, um, and it's funny, it's another thing that um, I'm just now sort of starting to experience those feelings. Mm-hmm. And I see my friends experiencing it too. And um, like I went out to dinner with a, a, a newer friend recently and, and she was talking to me just about exactly this and saying mm-hmm. that she's also in her late thirties and was talking about, that she's like, I always this like thought I would be uh, married with with kids right now, and and mm-hmm. have um, my career be a completely different level, you know, and different um, different things happening with her career, um, et cetera, et cetera. And I think all of us have that in some realm, you know, like things mm-hmm. don't turn out the way quite the way we thought they would. And um, and I'm learning. Here's just an example, like I. I, I've always thought I was going to be a mother, you know, that was like, mm-hmm. just, I always thought that. Um, and as I'm like nearing 38, I'm like, maybe I'm not going to be a mom in the way I thought I was going to be one, mm-hmm. but it doesn't mean I can't be a mother in other ways, you know, and, and mm-hmm. share that like nurturing um, 
that nurturing spirit that's what really calls me to want to be a mom, you know? Yeah, yeah. Um, so anyways, I just, it's just one like little example, but I just, I would love to hear you talk about this and, and like where you saw it in your life or your friends' lives and, and yeah, what compelled you to write it. Mm. <laughs> the song, you know, it's just one of those ones that came out of me in a moment of my own sadness. Um, when yeah. I, when I was having, uh, one of those moments, um, you know, and, but then like at, afterwards and like talking more about it, I've, I've been able to unpack more about, about why it matters to me. Yeah. <laughs> um, and, um, you know, I guess like the, the, piece of it when I released I left my job in DC I worked really hard on my first album that I put out there and I had the very common experience of like uh you know putting out an album working really hard on it and then like it, it I did get a lot of places but it it didn't feel like it got me where I wanted to go <laughs> um and uh it, then I just felt really sad about that. And, mm. um, the, and then, you know, a lot of my friends, like you said, like I've had a lot of friends who have struggled with, uh, fertility issues or, or, you know, their careers not going where they wanted them to, or, um, you know, other kinds of heartbreaks that have happened in their lives. So that things just haven't turned out the way they wanted. And, um, the thing I've started to take issue with is this part of our American culture that says, if you pursue your dreams and just persist, 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 mm -hmm. you will achieve, you can achieve anything you want to achieve. And that's something that we like say over and over and over to children and we say it to each other. Yeah. And, um, mm -hmm. I love the persistence part of it because yeah. that's so important. Um, but the, the things behind it that bother me, um, uh, one is that we should judge ourselves as people by our achievements. Yes. Right. I do. I really don't like that. Like, why can't we just totally people and like be the most kind and loving family members and community members that we can be? Um, that's one yes. part of it. Yes. You know, the, the next is that um, it, I see it as kind of like an extension of the bootstraps myth. Um, you know, the, the idea that like anyone in America can pull themselves up by their bootstraps and like that you can start with nothing and end up very successful, which then erases all of the very unfair dynamics of our whole society. Um, yeah. It erases all of the different kinds of privilege and the workings of that yeah. and making it much easier for some people to pursue their dreams than others. Absolutely. <clears throat> um, and um, I also, um, I don't know, I feel like maybe I'll just stop there for now, but those are, those are two things that like really, <laughs> I, well, okay. And then, and then the other thing is that um, if we're all like totally focused on our own goal, um, mm -hmm. then we aren't as open to the kinds of goals that we can work on collectively. Mm -hmm. You know, like if we're all like hustling our own businesses or, you know, if I'm like totally, um, laser focused on my own 
music, then I'm not as like available and open for like the other kinds of ways that I could be useful to my community. Oh, um, so true. Yeah. Um, and, uh, and if, and it, and it all points back to like this kind of, um, the way that like our, we're set up to like build, build our sense of self-esteem, um, around, uh, yeah, like, like what it is that you achieve. And so like mm-hmm. your entire self sense of self-worth is wrapped up in this one thing. <laughs> oh my God. Um, yeah. It's like, it's like really unhealthy. And there's, and there's times when, um, I think that like the pursuing your dream persists, persists, persists can lead you to do things that like, it, I think there's some costs that are just too high to pay. Absolutely. And, and, you know, people who like lots of musicians that I know that have like stopped uh, doing music because they want to spend time with their families. Like they shouldn't feel like a failure. Totally. Totally. They should feel their success and they should feel like they're, they have a different kind of success that they're um, getting to. Absolutely. I'll stop there, but like, yeah, I could. No, I I love everything you're saying. I think. Oh, two things I just wanted to add to that is one is, you know, that's, that's precisely why I asked the question at the beginning of the podcast is, you know, beyond what you do, who are you? Because there's so much more to who someone is, you know, besides their accomplishments and mm-hmm. like what they do in the world and um, like as for work, you know, and mm-hmm. I, I just want to, as much as I can, sort of shine a light on that because so many of the most beautiful people I know aren't mm-hmm. people who have like, you know, thousands of Instagram followers and mm-hmm. are, you know, like super known or, or doing important quote unquote, quote and quote unquote important things when like, they're so important, you know, being mm-hmm. kind and, and just kind of spreading light um, to the people around them and everyone, yeah. everyone's lives that they touch. So I think that's really important to remember. And the second thing, now I'm forgetting what the second thing was. What was I going to say? <laughs> okay, but I think there's, I think we can get so rigid in our thinking about sort of like, like you were touching on, like we have these goals, right? And we can get, like you said, persistence is, I think, great. I think it's an incredible quality and it is what helps you succeed in a lot of areas. But there's something to be said about you can be go persistently in the direction of whatever is pulling on you, but also leave space and room for mm-hmm. things to come in that were unexpected, you know, mm-hmm. yeah. um, and that maybe will surprise you. Yeah. And, and, and also just sort of thinking about like reinventing your dreams, you know, and sort of thinking yeah. um, like, like you were saying about, you know, friends that are musicians that maybe take a pause to spend time with their family, like, that doesn't make them any less of a musician, you know, they're just mm-hmm. like putting their focus on the family right now. And I think there, there is something to be said for, you know, that you can do, there's so much to do in this life and it doesn't all have to be done at the same time. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. So, yeah. That's what I tell myself that anyway, you know, because I, I am mm-hmm. someone who wants to do a million things and wants to do them so well. And I just need to take a step back, back and just, be like, you know, like I can, this can wait. I can, I'll get to this later on a different chapter, yeah. you know? <laughs> oh, totally. You know, I've been trying to switch my whole mindset about time because, yeah. because like we always talk about how life is short and you got to take advantage of every moment. But then that like, then makes me anxious about like, yeah. Oh God, what am I? <laughs> but then I've been trying to be more like, you know what? Life is long. 
Yes, it is. It totally is. Long. Long. <laughs> and <laughs> yeah, and that like helps me relax, and I feel Absolutely. a lot more able to be present instead of like being like, oh God, uh. <laughs> Absolutely, and I think I think that can be really applied to um to anything really. If you stop and think about whatever it is in your own life that you're fighting against, you know, and I, I I'll just go back to circle back to the example of the, you know, wanting to be a mother. Um, or be have be partnered, for example, because I think I see a lot of people in my age group that feel really sad about that if they don't have it. And again, just like I think sometimes I do get sad about not having that like you know connection, intimate connection with somebody at this point in my life. But that being said, I know deep down that like I I will never settle, and that's part that's why I'm single, you know, mm-hmm. um, because I I think for me, and I know not everyone's this way, but. I'd rather mm-hmm. wait for the right person and mm-hmm. I want to feel really excited and all like, you know, all in and not just like, oh, okay, yeah, you're cool. You know? Yeah, <laughs> so I, totally. For me. And again, like there's people out there that being a mother is their number one thing and they know they want that so with every fiber of their beings and they will do it. Like I I've seen, I have a friend of a friend who is the most beautiful mother to um, a daughter who, you know, she has, she's had on, on her own and she's doing it all on her own. Mm-hmm. And, um, and I think that's so beautiful. I know that for myself, I don't think I could do that. So mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. it's like, you know, sort of, ba- sorry, I'm rambling on here, but my no, point no. Is- <laughs> people need to talk about this more because it's like so many of yeah. us are like really, you know, the, those questions about parenthood are, are so relevant. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know? I just think that it's like, I mean, I'm just speaking from my own experience, but I mm-hmm. feel like, I mean, I've grown up forever and ever. I can remember, like, I've said I want to be a mom and people around me would be like, you're going to be the best mother. And it was just always something that was like, of course, you know, but mm-hmm. I'm like, now I'm just sort of thinking about it. And it sounds so silly, but like, I, my housemate has these two cats um, that I'm obsessed with. And <laughs> I'm like, I love, I don't know. I love them so much. I cuddle yeah. them so much, and I'm like, this is like some way of mothering right now in my life, you know, just taking care of them. Yeah. Um, And, and I think like down the road, whether that's having dogs or, you know, adopting or just being an aunt, whatever that is, like there's ways to reinvent sort of these, this idea you had in your head of how things were going to go, you know, Mm -hmm. And 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 still nurture that part of you, whatever that is. And that applies to also being, say you're being, you're a musician and you're not, and the place that you thought you were going to be or wanted to be doesn't mean that you're any less of a musician because you're not like, you know, yeah. whatever, whatever the markers are that you think that you, you needed to get to. Yeah. I mean, it, for me, like my version of that was like, I think partly because I left this job, like I felt like I needed to justify to people that I was going to accomplish something as a musician in order to feel like I was, justified in having left this other job yeah and and that like I needed to like get somewhere um but then like when I was able to like let go of that and just be like wow like what a miracle that I get to do this at all (laughs) you know it's such an amazing thing that I get to do this at all and if I I think like no, I, I, this is not said in a way that I'm like um, judging other people, but I think that like a huge part of what drives people in 
kind of any field, but also music is like some people like have this deep sense of like that you do have to get somewhere in order to feel like you did the thing with your life that you wanted to do and, um, you know, pay huge emotional costs for that. And, um, instead I've just had this attitude of like, wow, like I get to do this. This is so cool. And like, no matter where I get, like, what a cool thing. And the more I'm able to like counter that, you know, the impending dread insecurity stuff with just like gratitude and wonder, the more I feel like my life opens up. Um, but yeah, (laughs) but not that I'm always able to do that, but that's, that's what I I feel like is, um, you know, there's always going to be people who have, there's, there will always be greater and lesser than thyself. Absolutely. I don't know who said that, but yeah. Joseph Gordon-Levitt um, did a, a really great TED Talk, which I think everyone should watch, is about, yeah. you know, about how no matter how, like, how big you get, you know, in, in, in fame or whatever and success, there's always going to be someone else who's reached a different level than you. And he, and he yeah. was sort of explaining that, like, you know, he, he can look at his – like number of Twitter followers or Instagram followers, whatever it is. And there's always somebody that has more than him. And I, I see this in my friends mm-hmm. that ha- are really well-known. And I see that a lot of them do sort of benchmark, like look at like, oh, but but I'm not there, you know? And it, mm-hmm. I think everybody does it, you know, no matter what like level in their career they're at, you know? And yeah, um, this is something that you were saying before that was so beautiful. I think, well, I think, that nobody's career or life is going to be just going like upward, upward and not have these like moments where you fall or you feel, you don't feel sad and disappointed. So I think no matter where you are and what you're doing, I think just looking for those little moments mm-hmm. of, of light and magic is, is where it's at, you know? So like if you're a musician and you're, you're going to have those moments. You're going to stumble across those moments that are just, um, that make you feel so alive. And, you know, it just like, that's what we live for. Right. So, and yeah. I think you can have that at any, at any point in your career or at any point in your life. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> awesome. So, um, the other song I wanted to, to talk about is you can't put my fire out which is such a powerful song and you are open about having been a survivor of sexual violence years ago. And, um, gosh, I mean, there's so much to talk about there. By the way, have you read, I'm guessing you probably have, but have you read Chanel Miller's book recently yet? I mean, no. Oh my gosh. Oh, oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. You have to read it. It's, oh, okay. Um, I'm going to write it down. Yeah. Um, know my name. Um, oh. Yeah, it's, I mean, anybody should read it. But I think, you know, uh, women that are survivors of sexual assault or violence um, will especially feel seen and understood by her book. Wow. Um, she's just okay. such a brilliant writer. Um, so, yeah, I, I read it. And I've just, like, been giving it to everybody I can because it's it's so, so, so powerful. Um, so, yes, I'm glad that I can tell you about it now. <laughs> um, but, yes, t- tell me tell me whatever you want to say about that song because it's it's so important to shine a light on this Mm -hmm. um well this is another one that like just kind of came out of me and then I um hold on sorry um that noise 
Um, well, okay, so this this song is one that that just came out of me, and then I was able to unpack what it meant kind of after the fact more. Mm. <laughs> um, and I think the biggest impact that that experience had on me was it kind of just put this voice in the back of my head that um, that was said that it was my fault um, and that there was something wrong with me and that I was broken somehow. Um, I felt ugly and unwanted and I felt I just kind of carried myself in a smaller way in the world for for years afterwards and I didn't really totally put it together that that this was a big part of why yeah (laughs) Um, yeah and um and and that realizing that that voice was not me and that I'm able to, uh, to shout back at that voice. Like, I wish I could just could totally get it out of my head, Yeah. <laughs> but, but I can like instead like replace the real estate that it's taken up in my mind <laughs> and, I love that. Yeah. and reclaim it for, for myself in, um, in a better way. And, um, it, it, I, I wrote it kind of around the time that the Kavanaugh hearings were happening yeah. and just watching how, um, how this woman's reality was being second guessed and, mm-hmm. and getting so angry on her. It was easier for me to get, it, it's, it's always been easier for me to get angry on other people's uh-huh. about yeah. that stuff. Um, and it's much easier for me to see things like the experience that my friends have, like, I'm able to be like, no, screw that guy, you know, or like, totally, totally. um, and, uh, but have always had like very murky feelings about my own experience. Um, yeah, but so, so this, this song helps me to just like claim it and, and be mad. <laughs> That's so great. Yeah. I think. I think what you're just saying is so relatable in the sense that like, I think we can be so much harder on ourselves and not understanding the complexities in our own beings. Like, whereas it's so black and white when we see it happening to our friends, you know, we want to protect them. And, and um, yeah, I, I know that um, I, I don't know if this help would help you at all or, or has helped you, but when you were saying about sort of screaming, screaming back at that voice that was making you feel small, um, I know for myself, something I've been really learning to do is because I have that voice too, you know, I think most people do, a lot of people do. And, um, you know, from, from whatever trauma it is that they've gone through. And I think like, I've been trying to be sort of gentle with the voice now and just Mm -hmm. sort of like coming from it as like my more like wise and adult self looking at that voice and just kind of telling it like, you can go away now, you know, Mm -hmm. (laughs) um, it sounds mm-hmm. really sappy and stuff, but I think that's, it's, it has mm-hmm. helped me, you know? So. Mm-hmm. Yeah. To like, not, not feel like it's such a conflict, but just like dissipate it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And just like, almost like, like take care of it almost like, you know, in a motherly way, it's sort of like, you know what, like you're, it's not, that's, I know you're trying to protect me, but that's not, um, it, you're good, you know, <laughs> kind of like yeah. that, that way. Yeah. Um, and the, the other thing that I, I, um, just have found 
confusing about how to nap. There's so many things, so many layers about this that are like very challenging and confusing about how to navigate is um, the dynamics of holding people accountable. Yes. Um, but how does that whole process then impact the, the victims or, um, you know, like how can I, um, take responsibility for my, my healing. Yeah. I don't want to say that because it's not like taking responsibility for it, but like, you know, I, um, now I'm going down a, a rabbit hole that I don't have any words for, but, um, I, I, I don't think that like victims should have to have compassion for yeah. who have hurt them. I'll yeah. say that out front. Like I think people, you know, victims have every right to react in any way that is valid for them. Um, one of the things that I was feeling in my case was that um, I think that he, he did it kind of out of this deep sense of insecurity that was tied to his own concept of what it meant to be a man. Mm. Um, and, um, so there's a part of me that wants that him to find a, someone to show him a different way to be mm. that he can like have his sense of belonging in the world that is not tied to this like very fragile concept of masculinity that, that ends up being destructive for other people. Right. Um, and, uh, that, that was kind of like where I landed with like both of these songs, like being next to each other. Yeah. 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 I think that's, um, that's a really hard thing to, 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 to struggle with and to think about is, um, yeah, that balance of being angry and it's like, you don't want to forgive them, you know, but it's also mm -hmm. like, how much does that burden you? To, you know, to mm -hmm. like hold on to that anger. Mm -hmm. um, I think that's the really hard part. And mm -hmm. I'm looking forward for you to read that book because um, I just, I think she really, she you you go through the whole journey with her, which I'm sure you'll uh -huh. read a lot of it, you know, um, uh. just the, the mixed emotions and the, you know, there's one line in there that I, I recall her saying about, it's because she, she was Brock Turner's victim, you know, and mm -hmm. she talks about, <clears throat> um, about a point where, you know, she recognizes that he's, you know, not all one thing, that he's not just this monster, you know, mm -hmm. that, and that, and that's the hard part. I think that we can struggle with sometimes with people that do these horrible, horrific things that they are, you know, complex humans that they're, they're they did this horrible thing, but that's not all of them, you know? Mm -hmm. um, and that's, that's really hard if you're the victim to, to really process that and to, I mean, I don't know. I don't know. I just think that yeah. that's it's a really tough thing. Yeah. I mean, I just, I think that um, it, it's, a, it's really great that our culture has like started to at least some pockets of it swing towards more accountability Yeah. Um, because like on the whole, like bigger picture social scale, like that's kind of what is needed for change, big cultural change to happen. Um, and like, I also think that we need to like be opening the door for like, what's the new way to 
be or like what what are some other ways to be um like about like both compassion and accountability yes yes are yes. needed um and uh, one one other thing that i think is important to mention is that um you know sexual assault happens to people of all genders yeah um, and it's also perpetrated by people of all genders and it's not just a, like a feminist issue totally um, so yeah, that's that's another thing I w I always want to mention. Yeah, it's a, it's a good thing to call out because it's true. We don't really, you know, pay attention to that. Either, you know, so yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. Oof. Um. Well, thank you so much for being. I think just you know adding your voice to, to the to the chorus of this is really really important. You know, I think um, as much as we can speak out about this, you know, it helps everyone else feel less alone in it. So, mm -hmm. um. Yeah, it's a really powerful song. Oh, thank you. Yeah, thank yeah. You. Thank you for writing it. Um, so I would, I love to talk about, I always, this is one of my favorite questions to ask people is, since, you know, this is sort of a, a mental health kind of heavy podcast, I would say. Yeah. I love to ask people, you know, when you've had a hard day, a month or a year, and Right now, we're going through this collectively is really hard time with um, being all of us, you know, think being in a lot of fear over the coronavirus. Um, and so whatever that may look like for you, whenever you're going through a hard time, um, what's in your personal toolkit to help you move through it? Mm -hmm. Good question. Um. I would say not just when I am going through a hard time, but I think like the, one of the things that has been most helpful to me, um, big picture over the course of many years is I started a daily practice of trying to write down, um, three things that I'm grateful for, um, three things that I did well that day. <laughs> I love that. Um, and, and like three things that I like about myself. Um, and I think I want to build in, like, I want to build in something that's like three opportunities that I have to be more loving to other people in my life. Like I want to start training my brain to, to be more outward facing in that way. And like be purposeful about it. Right. To like actually put attention on it. Yeah. Um, but I, you know, I, this is, there's probably like, I've read lots of articles that point to this and I can only like give my layman's ex explanation about it, but like our brains have certain pathways that they're used to traveling. Yes. And if my brain has the pathway that always goes to like, oh, I, I screwed this up or like, yeah. oh, I like totally like ruined this or I am terrible at this then that pathway just gets deeper, dug deeper and deeper and deeper. And like, it becomes more and more the default. And the more I'm able to like build new pathways um, in my mind and, and travel them, like force myself to travel those pathways, um, the more I have like more of these habits of resilience. Yeah. Um, yeah. Also, I really love, um, uh, Brene Brown's concept of shame resiliency, which is like totally related. Have you heard about that? Yes, yes, yes. Oh gosh, yeah. I love her so much. Ugh, her yeah. work is phenomenal. Yeah, I know. I know she's amazing. Um, 
what's okay so what's when you're talking about kindness and um i love asking this question to you is what's one or a act of kindness that you've received that's felt transformative or that really had an impact on you um i don't know why this is like springing to mind but um i had a person that i was working with many years ago who um we started out as friends but then um he started being very mean to me to be to be short like it was he would make fun of me a lot and like point out how everything that I was doing was wrong or stupid or it was just looking back like he was kind of using me to like make himself feel bigger um but about six years later um I did not talk to him at all like after we stopped working together but six years later he called me on Christmas day to apologize oh wow yeah that must have Um, how did that feel yeah yeah from a different country wow (laughs) yeah and I can't even imagine like what amount of like personal transformation it took for him to get there but um uh it was like wow okay like it wasn't just crazy for yeah (laughs) this was a real thing (laughs) um you know I think it's also um it's funny you're saying that because that's so powerful. But I think it's also like, even if he didn't apologize, he still wouldn't have been crazy. You know, mm-hmm. <laughs> I think it's like hard for us to remember sometimes. Like we need validation to be like, oh, like that really did like, you know, but if mm-hmm. you feel hurt and you feel then that's valid, you know, Yeah. <laughs> but, um, but that's, wow, that's really, um, it's, it's inspiring. It's like nice to hear that, that, you know, people can take accountability and, and, and realize their actions how they've affected others without you even having to point it out or, you know, ask for an apology. It just came to you. So. Yeah. And that's actually, you know, kind of related to the shame resiliency thing. Like, I think I, this is related to the like anti-racist work. I need to believe that I can change. Like no matter how many times I keep messing things up. (laughs) Yeah. And I need to also believe that other people can change too. Yeah. Um, and like, not, uh, not, I, I, I don't think that like, you know, the whole thing about cancel culture, like, yeah. I think there's sometimes when there's valid reasons to, uh, you know, sometimes like people have crossed the line that's too far. But also, like, there's, I think there's a lot of room for us to believe that people can change. Yeah. And, and have faith in that. Yeah, absolutely. Definitely. Um, so whose creativity really moves you? Oh, man. Oh, there's so many. <laughs> um, well, one person that I, I keep mentioning, I feel like I, I owe a lot of inspiration to her is uh, Mary Gaucher. Oh, yeah. Oh, you know her. Okay, mm-hmm. yeah. Um, and I went to a songwriting workshop with her, and she differentiates between um, – the the art versus the craft of songwriting and the craft being like the chords the structure like the rhyme that kind of thing um but the art um is the part that's like listening to the real message behind what's trying to come out and um and she kind of it believes in like the the real healing power of like that there is like a healing energy that's trying to come out through songs and we have to like really do it, take the time to like find out what it's trying to say and do it justice. Mm. Um, 
and uh and you know she is very not afraid of like writing very dark very sad songs <laughs> yeah <laughs> and like it's one thing that sticks out to me she would say um you know if you're not afraid you're not making art mm. yeah um, and uh so that she has like really inspired me to like some of the songs that feel like you know oh I don't know if I should go there like she's like go there yeah totally totally yeah she's incredible she really yeah. Okay, so now I just wanted to go through some of your favorite things, which I do at the end of the podcast. Mm -hmm. um, and it doesn't have to be like your all-time favorite thing, but just something that like when I'll say the thing and just if it, you know, whatever comes to mind is having meaning to you. Mm -hmm. um, just yeah, it's kind That's of a way. Cool. Of, I yeah, it's kind of fun. <laughs> <laughs> I love I love like having um a way it's sort of like a way to recommend things you know and like people listen to it and be like oh I never heard of that book I want to I want to get that you know mm. um so so yeah speaking of books what's a favorite book of yours oh the thing that's coming to mind is I, I love Pema Chodron oh I yeah mean, yeah have you read her latest book yet no I, I mean, haven't I haven't either but it's it's I think it's especially good for times like now oh um, cool yeah. okay I look forward to that yes yeah. amazing yeah. Um, and this is going to be a hard one since you're a musician, but do you have a favorite album or song? Oh man, so hard. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think the, the album that I, I have listened to the most in my life over and over is M The Miseducation of Lauryn Hill. Oh, that's such a good album. It was, yeah. Yeah. And the, also that when I was in high school, I was really obsessed with that, the, her unplugged session that she did on MTV when she yes. had it. A sore throat. I was. I I listened to that so many times. She's just amazing. Yeah. Yeah. So, so good. That's a good one. Um. And do you have a what's what about a place that has a lot of meaning to you? Mm. Um. My partner runs a. Um. It's like a outdoor hiking camp. Ooh. Um, and it's based out of this like really beautiful community in Southwest Virginia, and they have a pond there with a dock on it and um it's one of my favorite places to like sit and write songs oh it sounds so lovely <laughs> that's one thing that right now when we're all um stuck inside it's you know or like not able to be around a lot of people it's I feel like we can still go outside and enjoy nature you know we still have that yeah um and okay so for the last one how about a a um favorite memory um this is one that I wrote a song about on my very first album. Um, but I, I used to live in DC mm -hmm. and, um, I was walking home one day and, um, it, there was like this one house that always had like a bunch of guys hanging out on the front porch, drinking beers. And, and, um, you know, at first I was kind of, I was neighborly, um, uh, you know, I would say, say hello and they would say hello back and we'd be friendly. And then I started to feel a little bit like I was getting the kind of attention that I didn't want yeah. <laughs> in those interactions. And so then I stopped being as friendly and I stopped saying hi. And I, I hate that feeling like, oh, yeah. <laughs> um, and, uh, then, um, one, one day, like I came home and one of the guys from that house was, 
at my house and he was trying to climb the tree in my front yard. And I was like, I made this assumption about him that um, he was like trying to climb the tree up on top of the porch and steal my roommate's laptop computer because <gasps> that had happened to another person that I knew in the neighborhood. And I was oh. like, Oh, and then, so I, I was like, Hey, what are you doing? And then he was like, he pointed up in the tree and there was this bright blue tropical bird up in the oh. tree. And, um, it had, he was like, this is someone's pet bird that's escaped. Oh. And, <laughs> and then, so I was like, Oh, whoa. And so we went inside the house and we got this little red bucket and, um, climbed out the bedroom window and he just walked up to the bird in the tree from the porch and it, he just grabbed it with its hand um, wow. and then put it in the, in the bucket, put a book on top and then, you know, carried it back down. And, um, as he was leaving, he, um, he noticed all of my instruments in the living room and it turned out that they were musicians too. And oh. so they like came over and played music for a while that afternoon. Oh, it's beautiful. I love yeah. that. that sort of speaks to a lot of what we were talking about is people can surprise you, you know? Yeah. <laughs> I love that. Oh, that's yeah. cool. Well, thank you so, so much um, for doing this. And I hey, really, thank really. Thank you so much for being so thoughtful. And um, and it sounds like you're doing really cool work with this podcast. So thank you. Oh, thank you. Well, yeah. Um, hopefully next time I'm on the East Coast or, you know, when I see you coming through, I'll get to come to your show. I'd love to see you play live. Oh, yeah. I'd love to meet you in person. That would be yeah. great. Yeah. Well, good luck with everything. Um, and hopefully, get you know, you get some sun on your face and some bright spots to this kind of dark time. You too. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. Musings of the Artist is audio produced by Aaron Mooring and the theme music is by Ilan Isakoff. <laughs>